The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan on News Talk. Where we start is with an article in today's Irish Times that argues that conve- congestion rather charges are vital in getting people out of their cars and onto public transport. And this has reignited a debate about whether or not a congestion charge should be introduced in Irish cities, most particularly, obviously, in Dublin, which, not saying that there isn't congestion in Cork and Galway and Limerick uh, and other towns and cities around the country, but Dublin, of course, suffering uh, the greatest amount of that congestion because it has the greatest amount of traffic. I'm joined by Brian Caulfield, Associate Professor of Transport at Trinity College in Dublin, Eugene Drennan, President of the Irish Road Haulage Association. Brian, let me start with you. The The notion of a congestion charge, I mean, London obviously has had this now for some time, arguably with some success. Other cities around the world, Singapore and others, uh, have a similar approach to dealing with congestion. Is it, inevit- is it an inevitability in Dublin's case? I think it might be. I think uh, when we invest in all the public transport that is uh, on the cards for the city and we have enough viable alternatives, I think then a congestion charge will come in. What I would say, I suppose, at the start is what it's not is it's not going to happen overnight. I think it would need maybe a a four or five year lead in time with better public transport services provided. We really need to think about how everybody gets around the city. um, And that's to think about, you know, the people that have blue badges that get into the city and how they're going to get in as well, what parking is going to be provided for them. And look at it from a holistic point of view. It's not something that's going to happen overnight. But the main push for this is are the number of people coming into Dublin city centre is getting um, is increasing. The road space isn't. So we need to do something. But Brian, the, the the correct time to do it is one of those things that never seems to happen. I mean, there's been general mood music discussion around potential of congestion charges for decades at this point. Decades ago, we didn't have the Lewis. We didn't have the ubiquity of buses that we now have. We didn't have the ubiquity of bus lanes. We didn't have the kind of cycling infrastructure. At what point do you say, okay, now is good enough? It's a very good point. Um, it was something that was raised in London that you know, people in London felt that they, they didn't have good enough public transport before that charge was brought in there. I think, see, what it needs to do, we need to socialise the idea. We need to say, this is the plan. We need to, you know, bring in more public transport to to facilitate it. If it was brought in overnight, there isn't enough public transport to get people in and out of the city. So that has to be solved first. I don't don't think that we necessarily have to wait for a metro or more Lewis lines. But with Bus Connects, that will really change how the city operates. And that that could do it. But the other thing to think about is when Bus Connects is brought in, when all the Lewis lines are brought in, they're going to take up a huge amount of road space in the city centre. So it's going to become, you know, by, I suppose, it's going to happen that cars will not be welcome in there and they won't have as much space as they currently do. Eugene Drennan, as I said, is well is with us as well. He's president of the Irish Road Haulage Association. Is there any potential silver lining in the cloud of a congestion charge for your members? If it was structured right, might it leave them a situation where they could get in and get out quicker than they currently can? No, not at all. Uh, this city is vicious tourist commercial traffic and tourist trucks trying to get in to service the city. Uh, we're under now. We have to have a permit to go in. It's, uh, we have no loading base. We've no way to ma- uh, maneuver around the city to deadlines and times. We have to do it. But in John Fitzgerald's article, it's more to it than just what you're saying, Anton. You know, um, he says the cyclists, when he was in Rat, uh, Rat Mines or Ranala, you cycle the side roads in. The main routes could be kept freer. The Vista of Dublin has absolutely been desecrated by cycle lanes, but they're being used by power bikes. 
and they've been taken away from the car user. And the main arterial roads, the keys, and the main flow of traffic in and out, those roads, the usage to cars should be left so the cars can get out of the city. There is no infrastructure there for somebody using public transport if they have more than two stops to go to in the city if they're going to do business there. Okay, if you've one within the canals, you'll get that done by public transport. You'll hardly get two done in the day. And but isn't, isn't the reality, though, Eugene, if, if, if you take the keys as a case in point, even if you freed them up totally just for cars and you said, let's make it so the motorist has the easiest time in the world to get up and down the keys, all that would do would be incentivise more people to use their cars and clog the keys right back up again. Don't they tend to fill to the extent that they can, no matter how much capacity you put in? Yeah, but you're looking at it through the eyes of a person living within Dublin. Dublin is a capital city that takes a lot of people in Verona Murphy's and Michael Healy Ray's constituency of outside the Red Cow. We have to get in and out from the countryside as well, and we have to serve the city. And that takes a fluidity of, of manoeuvrability and able to go about your business. And the infrastructure is not there yet. And there's one major thing missing from uh, John Fitzgerald's article, which says a lot of things and is very well crafted and proposals. But that is the plethora of traffic lights. It's congested by the amount of traffic lights, unaligned, unsynchronized traffic lights. And uh, that has absolutely slowed up all the traffic and caused more carbon in Dublin because the twin cars are stopped, are ticking over, are in the trust of power when they're moving off. That's when it creates most carbon. And I left the Matter Hospital and the October Bank holiday weekend at half 10 at night, very quiet traffic. And I stopped at 22 traffic lights from that to Dundrum, going by the old route up around by Christchurch and out through Harold's Cross. And that amount of stoppage and unaligned and non-flowing traffic, of course the cause of congestion. Ah, but you, but the I congestion mean, that, that may be the, is a lot easier than congestion charges. And this very if you travel through Dublin city centre in morning rush hour or in evening rush hour, it is not traffic lights that causes people to sit stationary for hours on end trying to dig their way through the city. No, what's happened is the bus lanes, the cycle lanes and the traffic lights. There's three reasons. So work on them on the main routes. He says that this, when he was living in Ranelagh, he cycled in the side roads and they were very safe and very, very careful to, to get to work. But now we have these power bicycles coming down cycle lanes. They're not cyclists anymore. They're battery operators and power operators. And we've left a lane to them. And uh, it, the motorist cannot get about his business. Like if you have an elderly person, and I see there's been a sea change in the usage of, of other business from 2019 to 2021 for under 50s. But if you're over 50 and you have a lot of people that need to get to different medical practitioners and different things around the city to get the business done, and they're not going to be on a bicycle, and they need to get about as well. So a little bit of fairness, and I'm saying the main trunk roads that we all know in through from Condra of old or in through Fibsor of old, those main arterial roads should flow freer. And the alignment of traffic lights go a long way. But going charging is not the solution. It's a taxation. Le- and we don't have the infrastructure of buses like London there yet. And I'm on a list and I travel freely through London. OK, I want to go back to Brian Caulfield on, on that thing of the, the necessity of the infrastructure that's required before you can make a shift like this. When you look at the, the cities around the world that have managed to transfer people out of um, private cars, one of them that is always top of the list is Amsterdam. And there is sort of a sense that culturally the Dutch were always into bicycles. But the Dutch made 
this as an act of transition. They got people out of cars and they stopped the cars going into the centre of uh, Amsterdam city. How did they manage to pull it off and why have we not been able to emulate them? Um, how they did it was it happened over generations. So they, they, they started to educate school kids about cycling in and out of the city. Um, and it's not something that happened overnight. It wasn't a switch that they switched on in Amsterdam and this happened. It was something that took maybe 20, 30 years to happen. Uh, that was followed also with investment in public transport. And that enabled the whole thing to happen. But just to get back to the point there that Eugene made about the, the, the traffic lights, that's completely incorrect. The, the traffic lights in Dublin City, is one, it's one of the most advanced um, uh, traffic light systems in the world and they are all synchronised. And the other thing I would say about Dublin being a capital city, so is London, so is Stockholm, so is Oslo. And they have these types of road user charging as well. And because they're capital cities, there's huge amounts of demand. They're ancient cities as well, and there's limited road space. And that's why we kind of have to do these types of things. And it's, I, I can't see any way around it with the population projections for a city like Dublin that we won't have to curtail um, private car usage throughout the city. The methodology by which we do that, Brian, finally, when the when the banks looked at their branches and decided that they wanted fewer people in them, they didn't charge people to come in the door. They took away the tellers so that the queue formed going out the door and people decided it's not worth the candle. I'll find another way to transact. Surely congestion itself is the solution to congestion, that if you keep going the way you're going, where you limit the capacity to travel through the city centre, where you introduce bus gates, where you introduce more bus lanes, where you shrink the amount of available traffic lanes, where like through Fairview in, in North Dublin, you can no longer take a private car. Does that not solve the problem eventually? Yeah, that's kind of what I was saying there earlier. It's by stealth. When we bring in all of these bus gates with Bus Connects, when we start to give buses more priority, it'll just... It will take too long for the car to get through the city and it will be a, a congestion charge by stealth. But, you know, if that doesn't work, then, you know, the, the, the bigger stick to use is a congestion charge. I would hope that we wouldn't need to get to that point. But I do think as road space or as urban realm space is taken away from the private vehicle towards buses and, and, and more sustainable modes, that that will happen. Oh, sorry, I lied. One final thing. We got a text saying the current fixed annual motor tax means the more you drive, the better value you get. A pay-as-you-go option would provide more incentive to use public transport. Whatever about the pay-as-you-go incentivizing public transport, do we not create a two-tier wealth-based access system to the centre of Dublin City if we go with the congestion charge? Because if you're rich, you'll just say, what the hell? I'll pay the congestion charge, drive in and park in the centre of town. If you're not rich, it'll mean that the door is closed to you. Yep, and that happened. We saw that when the, the when Michael O'Leary bought a taxi plate to use the, the to use the bus lanes. You know, the wealth it is a regressive tax, um, and wealthy people will get around it. Brian, thank you very much, and thanks as well to Eugene. That's Eugene Drennan, president of the Irish Road Haulage Association, and just there, Brian Caulfield, associate professor of transport at Trinity College Dublin. The hard shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan weekdays from four on News Talk.